G'day. Talking about pedagogy with Ryan Shelton, Deputy Principal of Learning at Holy Cross College. This podcast is by teachers for teachers on the art and science of teaching. Holy Cross College is a pre-kindergarten to year 12 Catholic school situated in the metropolitan area of Perth, Western Australia. As an Apple Distinguished School, the college is a global leader in contemporary 21st century pedagogies that are Christ-centred and student-focused. The college's vision for learning allows for all students to be engaged, challenged and progressing. So today's guest is a very special person here at Holy Cross. This is Courtney George, who is a learning innovator of technologies at Holy Cross, who particularly works across our junior school. Not only does she teach technology across the junior school, but really a big part of her leadership here is how she works shoulder to shoulder coaching our staff um, in how they integrate technology across the classroom. And that's the real passion of Courtney is this idea of um, everyone's business in the general capabilities in how we integrate our technology rather than just looking at the curriculum of digital technologies. She was once a classroom teacher, um, but is an excellent pedagogical practitioner. And and I can definitely stand by that statement. Um, Spent some time teaching in the Kimberley up at at St. Mary's College in um, Broome and did a great job up there. Is also an Apple teacher and a Seesaw ambassador. Courtney, that's one heck of a good resume. Thanks, Ryan. I'm excited. Well, welcome. So, you're a tech geek, right? A little bit, yes. Yeah. What do you love about technology? I love that technology, particularly here at Holy Cross, allows us to do things that we weren't able to do otherwise. So I think it makes our jobs easier, but it also redefines learning for our students um, and helps us to cater to all needs within the classroom. Now, I've mentioned you on our podcast before, not by name, but I've told a story about you. Oh. And I, I wonder if we could start today by elaborating a bit on this, because I think this kind of gives it our listeners the context as to how much of a champ you are. I've told the story about a teacher at Holy Cross that after our lockdown last year, COVID, where we went to remote learning online, there was a teacher that when uh, our students came back on campus, saw that there were some students that thrived under the online environment um, who hadn't been thriving in face-to-face instruction, so created like an online environment in their class for those students so they could thrive in the classroom. Can you tell us that story and what led you to doing that? We just found my partner teacher, Abby, and I found that, like you said, a lot of kids actually really thrived um, working independently. So we like to foster a sense of collaboration here at Holy Cross, but we also like to honour those times when students want to work independently and just sort of, you know, zone in on what they're doing. So yeah, basically in our lessons after um, the return from online learning, um, we offered that as an opportunity to our students. And we also used what we learned ourselves to differentiate tasks for students. So um, sometimes my partner teacher, Abby, would be taking a large group of students. I might have a small group and then another small group would be working online with a resource that I had prepared earlier. And that just allowed us to, you know, really uh, meet all the needs of the different students in the classroom. That's sensational. Now, you're a Seesaw ambassador and you really leveraged Seesaw um, during that kind of COVID-19 break uh, in West Australia. How can staff leverage Seesaw to better improve their practice? Okay, so the biggest thing about Seesaw is there's really simple things that you can do and there's obviously more technical things that you can do. Um, Since the online learning period last year, there have been so many updates 
uh, that Seesaw have implemented. And to be honest, if we had to do online learning now, it would be even easier through Seesaw than it was before. Uh, My biggest tip is to first always search the library before you create something because there's no point reinventing the wheel. Um, But my biggest tip, I love delivering everything through the activities tab because it helps me to organise and make sure that I can see what students have completed and what they haven't. Um, But my biggest tip is to, anytime you create an activity on Seesaw, make it in Keynote first because we know that Apple Keynote is one of the best apps ever. (laughs) Um, So creating some kind of template in there uh, and then anything that you want the students to be able to manipulate using that in Seesaw. So that's my biggest tip. Oh, that's a great tip. Well, I'm going to have to put that into my own practice. So let's go big picture here. So as a learning innovator of technologies, um, what is the role of technology in our lives? Before we go classroom, what about lives? Okay. I think I kind of already said this. I think it's somewhat similar. I think that technology is obviously making things a lot easier for us and redefining what it is that we can do. So not just in the classroom, um, it's making things more accessible. It's connecting us, you know, on a way bigger platform. Um, Even in year four at the moment in our big ideas program that we use here at Holy Cross, um, our question is about how we're all connected. And that has just Mm. absolutely, all COVID has lent itself to that because the students have been talking about all the different ways that people are choosing to connect via technology uh, outside the classroom. You know, they're talking about Uber Eats drivers and FaceTime and, you know, all these different apps. Year fours are talking about that. Yeah, absolutely. So because they see it themselves every day, you know, talking about telehealth as well Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. So I think on a bigger scale, yeah, it's, it's redefining what we can do and how we connect with people. So then what does that mean for technology in the classroom? I think realistically, in a lot of ways, it means the same thing. It means that we are redefining what we can do. And that can be as simple as, you know, in our early years, we want our kids to be using hands-on resources. We we don't want them on screens all day. That's absolutely not our philosophy here. Um, but, you know, we use the iPads in the early years for students to take photos of what it is that they did with the hands-on resources and upload it to Seesaw. That's a super simple concept. But if we didn't have the iPads... I wouldn't get around to all 30 students to know what it was that they completed during that lesson, whereas now I have that as a as a work sample. So I think it, yeah, it allows us to do new things, um, but it also makes our lives a lot easier. So does that mean that you as a teacher have to do more work now? Oh, look, to be honest, in some ways, maybe, but yep. I think as well, in some ways it it decreases my workload because if I need to make a judgment on where a student is at before I might've had to go and withdraw that student and ask them again so I could get a few more notes. Whereas now I can go back to my seesaw library, select the student's name in mathematics and I have it there. It doesn't, I'll be honest, it doesn't mean that I'm checking every student's work every time, but I've got that there so that I've got a bigger picture of that student's capabilities. That's great, isn't it? Yeah. What's not the role of technology? Oh, okay. The role of (laughs) technology is definitely not a substitute for anything. So something that really grinds my gears, I don't know if I should say. Oh, I love this. No, that's good. Um, is, Is putting a worksheet on Seesaw or on Keynote. Realistically, There is a time and a place for a worksheet or a graphic organiser. Pick up a pencil, do it on paper. There's absolutely no point um, in doing it on Seesaw or on Keynote or using the iPad if it can be done without it, in my opinion. Obviously, there's times where it might make it easier if you're leaving a relief lesson or something like that. But realistically, um, I don't want students to think that the iPad is the only way that we learn. You know, there's Mm -hmm. so many different things that we can do to showcase our learning. And, you know, I did a survey recently with Year 7s and some of them also love um, having that balance and being able to record their ideas on paper. So I think, yeah, we have to be careful and make sure that when we're using the iPad, it is to redefine learning for our students. We're not substituting anything. 
So, like, you're alluding here to the Samar model and, yes, and looking yeah. here at redefinition. What is redefinition? What are perhaps are some examples that you've seen where teachers are redefining learning with devices? Yeah, okay. So, I guess redefining learning, in my opinion, I feel like I keep saying the same thing, but it's, you know, we're doing things that we couldn't otherwise do. We're, we're opening up more opportunities for students to collaborate, to be creative and, you know, and that sort of thing. In the early years, for example, you um, you might ask a student simply to add a voice recording to a task. So it might be as simple as taking a photo of something they've done on paper and adding a voice recording to explain their ideas further rather than having them write that down. That is really, really simple at a basic level. But again, without the iPad, we wouldn't have been able to do that. Realistically, I probably could go and find that student and ask the student to voice their ideas to me. But one, that's time consuming. And two, as well, not all students are willing to do that. So... Yeah, yeah, that's right. Promotes it, an environment of safety, I guess. It does. And I remember last year walking past the year fours when they were Zoom calling in some experts as a part of a big ideas project yeah. and, and getting them over Zoom to talk through, I think one of them was artwork and things like that. So once again, getting that external voice in, that's something that yeah, technology was doing. Absolutely. And we wouldn't be able to do that or connect with people if we didn't do, if we didn't have access to things like Zoom or to FaceTime. Yeah. Um, even things like creating GIFs and that through Keynote, you know, showing how an object works. You know, we're doing forces in the early years uh, in design technologies at the moment and using Keynote to show how something moves is very different to having a student, you know, draw a diagram on a piece of paper. Yeah, that's right. I, I remember last year, or over the last couple of years, you've done some excellent writing prompts. Oh, I love a good writing prompt. Talk us through. What's the role of a good writing prompt in technology? Okay, so I like to use um, AR, augmented yep. reality, for a writing prompt because I find that even though a lot of the time the kids know it's not real, um, they enjoy the silliness of it all yes. um, and it's a bit of fun. So the first one we did, I pinched the idea off another teacher. Um, I can't remember her name, but I saw it on Instagram she was teaching up in the Kimberley and um, we had made some gingerbread um, people for Christmas and um, we used this app called Effects Guru um, where I took the I took the gingerbread people to the staff room and put them in the oven and then we used AR to show the gingerbread people effectively running away um, and that became <laughs> our writing prompt and our um, our assistant principal at the time, Mr. Collins, he um, came down with the footage and that just sort of added to the drama. So that was really exciting. And then at the beginning of last year, we did something similar when Mr. Collins was going to his car and a tree fell on him yep. um, and his car, um, which again was just a lot of fun. A lot of the kids knew it wasn't real, um, but it just created a bit of excitement around writing. And that's something that a lot of kids do have a lot of anxiety around. So it sort of just made it fun and, you know, enjoyable for everyone. What a difference that makes, though, for those kids. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I love using it. So Yesterday I walked past a phys ed class in our um, sports centre and I saw that the PE teacher had a iPad set up on a stand. They were practising their high jump and up on the big screen he had a video delay set up. So I think it was a, a 20 or 30 second delay. Um, and as the kids would go do their jump, they would then look up at the big screen and be able to watch what they look like in slow-mo, get some feedback, give each other some feedback and then go on to their next jump. I thought that was a great example yesterday of even in like a high school context, what some redefinition could look like. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't remember the name of that app, but that's exactly right. Students can actually see in, you know, in slow motion in real time, you know, how effective their jump was and what their technique was like. And again, you wouldn't be able to do that without that technology. So I think that's a great example. So some people ask the question and they say, are we becoming too tech focused? Like mm -hmm. um, th there's not a lot of 
um, contemporary research out there as to whether we're damaging ourselves at this point in time. What would you say to those people? Well, I think, again, it depends how you're using the technology. Yeah. If, you know, if you're chucking a worksheet on Seesaw or Keynote or somewhere on that iPad for your students to use every day, absolutely. You know, we're, we're destroying its purpose and we're becoming reliant on it. But I think if you're actually using it, you know, to do something brand new or really creative or, you know, um, foster a sense of collaboration, then I think it's absolutely worthwhile. Where do you think technology is going? If you were to say in the next 10 years in education – this might happen or this might be the role of technology. What do you think that might look like? I think there'll be a lot of change, that's for sure, because I think already, you know, in the past 10 years, how much technology has evolved. And, you know, our school is yep. only about 12 years old. So even with the change that we've seen in that yes. time from the beginning um, is massive. I think it will become even more mobile than it already has. You look at the change from, you know, for example, a lot of schools were using MacBooks, um, you know, 10 years ago, whereas a lot of schools now are moving towards the iPad because it's far more mobile. Um, you know, for me as a staff member, that's massive being able to move around to, to meet with all of my students. I don't know exactly what it'll look like, but, you know, maybe it will involve more AR or VR in the classroom, something like that. I think we're still in the early stages of that. Now, lots of teachers are starting to delve into the idea of coding. Um, and although not something that's easy to teach or, you know, um, a big part of everyone's bread and butter. I have no idea how to code myself. Um, what sort of role do you see that in the classroom? Do you think that's going to be an important part of the future? I definitely think it, it will be a massive part of the future. Uh, when I think of coding, um, I don't know about you, Ryan, but my first experience of coding was when I had a MySpace page when I was in my <laughs> early teen years. And you have your top friends lined yeah, up and your favourite song. And, and and to change your background and things like that, you actually had to input that code yourself. There was no button to change your text to bold or put it in italics. You actually yep. had to do that yourself. So I think one of the biggest things is is giving students a little bit to run with and letting them explore that because just like we did, you know, in our teenage years, you know, once you get, you know, you get passionate about something or you find something really interesting, kids will run with that. I've seen a lot of really good examples of starting to teach coding um, in, in an unplugged way. So, um, you know, no iPads, nothing like that. Um, you know, I saw a great example that one of our um, one of our assistant principals sent me just this morning um, in the early years using magnetic tiles and Lego to to create those that early understanding of what it means to code. So I think we definitely have a huge role to play mm. there, but we need to let the students explore. It's like another language. It's almost like it's going to, we talk about being multilinguistic and, and how um, that's a great representation of, of our cognitive understanding of life. And, and, and if you can be multilinguistic, there are, there's evidence out there to say that um, you're probably further advanced, right? Um, the ability to code is almost an, an ability to be multilinguistic. Absolutely. And I think, you know, as the students that we're teaching now, as they move into the workforce, as they're older, that's going to be a highly sought after skill. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What, what about VR? Where do you see the role of VR in the classroom? Yeah, that's really interesting. I was, again, discussing this with a colleague because we went on an excursion to the old mill on Tuesday yeah. um, with RAC's Imagine program and the students um, got to use a VR headset to um, experience a helicopter rescue through RAC. And it was brilliant because it gave the students an opportunity to really dive into, you know, a situation where they wouldn't be able to go normally. Again, you know, creating new opportunities. I don't know how else you would provide that, that opportunity. Otherwise, I guess myself, I'm still learning about 
once we've once we've delved into that experience and we've gone somewhere new, maybe we've gone to Rome because we're learning about the history or, you know, maybe we've gone to look at rivers, you know, in geography. What is that next step? That's something mm-hmm. I'm still learning as well. So how do I use that that device or that learning, you know, to to really make sure that I'm delivering what I need to? That's definitely something I'm still learning. I love it. I yep. love it. What would you say are the best apps out there as an Apple teacher what would you say are the best apps that you would encourage teachers to really start playing with to progress students in their classroom? Awesome. So I think that, as I said, the best app is is Keynote um, because it's great for teachers, but it's also great for students to use as well. And if you need to make a scaffold, again, it's really easy to differentiate your resources via Keynote. Think now, of, when you say Keynote, yes. you're not talking here about like, I'm making a Keynote presentation in place of a PowerPoint presentation no, I, I was, so I can stand up the front and just go through my slides. Absolutely not. And I was just about to say that. I think that's what a lot <laughs> of people think Keynote is. They think it's just a new version of PowerPoint, um, but actually it does so much more than that. You know, like... Um, we create often like, um, we call them scratch activities here. So for example, where a student in the early years might be taking photos of something they've, you know, a clock they've learning, they're learning to tell the time to the quarter hour. They're taking a photo of that and then we'll have the answer. They're ready to go and they can scratch and remove it. Really simple concept, but again, it provides that immediate feedback so that I can be speaking or working with another group of students and the other students are getting their feedback immediately. So no, it's so much more than a presentation tool, Um, particularly the, the create path animation tool. I've seen people use that to model um, the digestive system, which I thought was really interesting as well. So it has has a lot of features that a lot of other apps don't. But in saying that, all of the Apple apps are really similar. So for example, I use Pages a lot to create resources for my Mm -hmm. students. So if I want to create a graphic organiser, I do that through Pages because I'm familiar with Keynote. It means I'm familiar with Pages. Uh, And Numbers as well. Again, a lot of people think that Numbers is just like a Apple version of Excel, but it's so much more than that. And again, if you know Keynote, if you know Pages, then you know Numbers. So can we get nerdy here? Apple or Microsoft? Apple. Apple, why? (laughs) I just think it's easier to access for me personally. Um, Look, I'm not saying that I don't love Microsoft apps. I still use them. Um, I like to have a, you know, a repertoire of, you know, different resources and apps and that sort of thing. Uh, I just find it easier to manipulate things on Apple apps and I'm all about efficiency. If I can save time, that's what I want to do. So that's why I always choose Apple. I love it. You know, I've got a little (laughs) Microsoft joke here for you. Okay, go on. Just to break it up a little bit. Okay. did you hear about Bill Gates and his wife? It was very sad the other day that they split up. I did. Yeah. Did you hear that um, she was taking the house? She got to keep the house. Okay. But he got to keep one part of the house. Do you know what he got to keep? I'm trying so hard to think of the pun, but I don't know. Ah, uh, he got to keep the windows. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a good, that's a good joke. You can use that as a tech teacher. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Now, <laughs> some of our teachers that listen to this podcast aren't, as lucky as us to work in a school where A, the technology works, B, our kids are quite tech savvy and all of our kids have a device. Yes. You've also taught in a school that didn't have all of those things that we have here at Holy Cross. What's it like for those teachers? What are your tips to them about how they can help drive with technology without the resources that might be available to them? Oh, that's a great question. So I have taught at a school uh, where we had Chromebooks, which is not my choice of device, but there was still so much that we could do using those devices. So I basically just had to yeah, reshape my thinking and re-educate myself. So um, Chromebooks are obviously owned by Google. So I was using all the Google apps 
yep. uh, there. And basically I just had to, you know, dive into the online world to, to do some of my own PD. Um, but what I found was that, again, there were so many things that I could do. I used Google Classroom a lot when I had Chromebooks to provide different resources that my students could access at all different levels. Uh, I'm not sure, I think a lot of people know this, but obviously if you uh, create a scaffold on Google Slides uh, and send that through to your students via Classroom, uh, then all the students can be can have access to their own version of that document and at any point you can check in with what they're doing and how they're progressing. So again, although it wouldn't be my first choice, it was it was something that I enjoyed using. So yeah, I think you've got to do a little bit of your own PD. The other thing I've taught at a school where we we had iPads, which was amazing. We had all these brilliant apps, but we didn't have one-to-one devices. Yep. So that again brings um, it, its own challenges. You've got to be a little bit more organized. You can't be using them all the time. And I think you know, that really provides an opportunity to make sure that when you do have those devices, are you using them well? You know, yeah. you've got a shorter amount of time to use them. So are you actually using them for, you know, really exciting and innovative purpose? Yeah. yeah. What about the idea of teaching touch typing? Should we be able to touch type? Oh, you mean it's in like the old school days? Yeah, of like, like yeah. I, c- I don't have to look at my screen. Do you know what? I I mean the keyboard. Yeah, I want to look at the screen, not the keyboard. <laughs> My understanding of why we used to teach touch typing yep. is because, you know, back then students didn't have... Uh, as much access to devices as they do now. Whereas my observations would suggest that a lot of kids are going to sort of inherit that skill naturally from using their devices more often. You know, when I was in, you know, year four, year five, we would have one computer lesson a week. And for a lot of us, that was our only opportunity to actually practice typing. So those explicit lessons were required. I think now, no, but just like anything, if students are showing that they need assistance with something, then absolutely it's our responsibility to jump in and, and teach them how to do it. Now, my next question for you is very broad, and okay. you know that I like good broad questions. Well, okay. What does good pedagogy look like with technology? I think that good pedagogy with technology is about taking risks mm. for sure, and I think and I think as teachers, you know, we really have to model taking risks to our students. I've had a lot of failed lessons where I thought something was going to be so awesome yeah. and it just wasn't, but it showed the kids that, you know, I need to still learn, you know, how to how to use technology and that it won't always work, you know, we've got to problem solve. But I think often that when you take risks, you end up with the most amazing lessons where, you know, that go where you probably didn't think they would go before. Um, I think obviously here at Holy Cross, we really value Fullen's um, six C's or his skills for 21st century learning. And I think that good pedagogy, you know, with technology is that you're really fostering those skills when you use the iPads um, or whatever it is that you're using at your school. That's right. It's taking the focus from the technology to leveraging it to do those other things really yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all about skills. It's it's not necessarily about content as well. Yeah. What about that teacher that's lost confidence? Because we've all been there. You've gone this, you had this whiz bang thing ready to go and it ended up taking 45 minutes just to get all the students online so they could do that activity. What did you say to that teacher? Keep persisting because I've been there and it's so painful <laughs> trying to get a whole class, you know, we team teach here, trying to get 60 year twos to sign on to Google Classroom. The first time is painful, but once they know, it's so yeah. quick after that and, and that initial, um, you know, really tedious process of doing that is so worth it in the long run. So persist with it. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. What are your final top tips for teachers? Ooh. 
Uh, go and do your Apple teacher training. Yep. There's a lot to learn on there. I learned so much. I thought I learned- Can anyone do that? Absolutely. Yep. I thought that I um, knew lots, but there was actually so much to learn on there for me. Um, and, and part of that as well, part of that tip is uh, looking at that everyone can create uh, books that you can access through the yep. Apple store or the Apple bookstore as well. Uh, my second tip would be, like I said before, take risks. So just have a yeah. go. If it fails, do you know what? It's okay. You know, we'll all learn something from it. Um, and three, try and be innovative where you can. So, you know, try and think of things that, um, you know, you haven't done before or that that might really, I guess, change the concept or the skill that it is that you're teaching. I love it. Yeah. What about what not to do? <laughs> I said it, didn't I? Don't yeah. put a worksheet on the iPad. It's useless. <laughs> That's right. Or a textbook. Um, yeah. Yes, we can put a textbook on there to save money. Yes. But if that's all you're doing, then that's just an absolute waste of time yeah, and a device because you saved money on the textbook, but you still spend $1,000 on the device. Yeah, that's exactly right. So use that textbook and, you know, send the students off to create something or, you know, I don't know, collaborate on a shared document or something. At least use it for something. <laughs> yeah. Final question. Okay. Right. Coolest thing you've ever seen done with the device. Oh, Wow. I have a lot of cool things that I've seen, particularly here at Holy Cross. I really, really love all the AR things that Paul Hamilton does. So he's an Apple Distinguished Educator who posts a lot of things on Twitter. So I'm really inspired by him, but as always, super inspired by our teachers here as well. I saw um, one of our secondary teachers showing students how to look at the Earth's core using AR. And I just, I was amazed by that. So it's a really simple concept, but Oh, I think as well what you said, you know, before about, you know, using technology in PE as well. I think a lot of people think yeah. that there's no place for it in PE, but, you know, here at our school, there absolutely is. So, I don't know. That's a bit of a, a boring answer. I love those ideas. Now, can I say, one of the things you applied for a job um, internally recently at Holocaust, which is what you got, the yes. Learning Innovative Technologies. When you did that, yes. your application had within it um, the capacity for us to use a QR code to take us to a website that broke down our whole vi- um, vision for learning and how you meet all of that through videos and photos and texts and all of that, right? One of the coolest applications I've ever come across. Um, what made you do that? <laughs> and would you suggest others do that? Okay. Somebody told me a few years ago that they were hiring and somebody had included a video of them teaching in their application and that's what made it stand out. And at the time I thought that was a really cool idea. But when I was applying for this position, you know, that the title is literally learning innovator. So I was like, oh, I got it. You know, I need to, I need to do something a bit more um, innovative, I guess. Uh, and I know that here our vision for learning is at the core of everything that we do. So that was an easy, you know, pick of what it was that I wanted to do. Uh, and I use this app called ThingLink, which I had previously used in my classroom over the past couple of years before Seesaw kind of redefined their yeah. app and I can use that now. Anyway, so yeah, basically I just wanted to show how I do all those things in our vision for learning and, and made it a bit more interactive. And also so that my application stood out among many others. Um, so, yeah, I, I highly recommend doing something like that. But, again, only if it's if it's something that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do um, because we don't want to make our job applications, you know, more painful for the person who's reading them. That's right. I thought it was sensational. So, hats off to you, Courtney, and some good advice to any good teachers out there that would like to apply at Holy Cross, <laughs> any of our positions that arise throughout the time, do that. It works really well. <laughs> Now, Courtney, if uh, any of our listeners want to connect with you in any way, ask further questions about how they can use technology in the classroom, how can they connect with you on Twitter? So, my Twitter handle is at CL underscore George 93 and they can jump on there, send me a message or, you know, um, quote me in a tweet or something like that. That'd be great. 
magnificent. You're an absolute superstar here at Holy Cross and beyond Holy Cross. And thanks for everything that you do and for your great time today. Thanks, Ryan. If you know of any awesome educators that we should have on this podcast, please reach out. Thanks for listening to the Talking About Pedagogy podcast from Holy Cross College. Be sure to find us at holycross.wa.edu.au and follow us on Twitter. Goodbye, God bless, and thank you for being my friends.